I should have been recording that the whole time. I didn't. My mission is to keep the light in your eyes I played the whole song for people who were watching live, but see what happened. So now I have to tell you, if you're just listening to the podcast and you're not watching live on Facebook, this is from Alanis Morissette's new album, Such Pretty Forks in the Road. It's called A Blaze, this song, and I love it. I really do like this album. It's quite good. I know I've been on a big Alanis kick lately and I don't apologize for it I won't apologize for it I absolutely won't one thing I would really like to get but it's not something that you get like a windscreen for your microphone or the thing that keeps it from like having harsh pop sounds like whenever you have those consonant sounds like pop I need a de-esser and a de-esser takes the sound of S, and I tend to overpronounce my S's, and I have a lisp on top of that. I have the mandatory gay lisp for uh, that's handed out to all bottom sissies when they are, and some top sissies as well. Whenever you were born, Jesus gives you the the S sound, the 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 S sound that is like nails across the chalkboard whenever I listen to it I'm like oh that s and I, I you know what I'm saying I'm one of those people who if there's an sts in a word when you make it plural I have to overpronounce that s in order to get it. so there's a thing called a deesser or which is a software program that takes that syllabic noise out and I would like one of those but I don't have the energy to figure out how to use it if it was just like a screen that I put over my microphone, I would be there for it. But in the meantime, you're going to have to <laughs> deal with my little lispy little girl Essie sounds. Little Essie sounds. Oh, Brad told me I need to do calls. I can't do calls. Sometimes I even have to mute calls whenever I'm listening to Cheryl Murkowski, that awful troll thing. And Deborah Wilkerson, who I've renamed Debadrill because she's on Benadryl even more than I am. I have to mute it because I get so uncomfortable even listening to it. I think it's hilarious and I obviously love it and I always demand that they make more calls. But I could never make a call because I, even as a kid... You know, remember when you remember when they had phone books that came every year and you'd open up the phone book and the white pages and you would prank call somebody. My friends could do it. And I just I froze. I froze like Medusa looked at me. OK, so I've talked about how I would love to have a DS or I wish I could have a you know how they say that uh, conspiracy theorists, conspiracy theorists, theorists say that. What's his name? Not Steve Jobs, but the other one from Microsoft. I can't remember his name. Bill Gates. 
wants to implant a saw with microchips. If that is the case, I would like DSer programmed into my microchip because I don't want to just DS the S sounds in my podcast. I want to take that with me in my day-to-day life. Okay, Noom update. As you know, I am on Noom. I'm losing weight because you don't get to be a twink, skinny bottom forever. Sometimes you get older and you become a fat, sissy bottom. And that's what's happened to me. So I, I'm on the Noom journey. Debadrill said that it's a cult, that Noom is a cult. And I'm... I'm <laughs> That was actually really funny. I'm part of the Noom cult. Hashtag Noom nerd. That's what they do. They try to push their hashtags on you. You can tell it. You can tell they have all of these like. We want to make an influencer app, but for weight loss. So everything is a uh, hashtag Noom nerd. Hashtag this. Hashtag that. I. That part is annoying to me because I don't understand influencer culture. But I will say that Noom is working for me because I weighed 175 pounds right before I started Noom, and I'm down to 164 pounds. I can't wait to get down to my birth weight. It's going to be amazing to be my birth weight. I want to weigh 72 pounds. That's my goal. Hashtag noom nerd. Hashtag goals. Hashtag skinny and killing it. Hashtag dying to be thin. Uh, oh, another complaint that I have about the name Noom. I don't like how all of these different startups now have variations of that. Remember like when Grindr became popular and then suddenly there were all these apps that are like, don't put in the final E. Remove the last consonant. So, like, if Twitter came out after Grindr, I guarantee you it would have been T-W-I-T-T-R. You know how, they're, like, there are all those apps that do that. So now the big thing is to have, like, double O's in app names. So, like, and, and it's confusing to me as a middle-aged sissy bottom, uh, as a middle-aged woman, I get very confused. I have Noom. I have Zoom. I have Kahoot, which is an educational, instructional game that I play with my students. But of course, I get it all mixed up because that's a middle-aged thing. So I call, instead of Kahoot, I, I get I send an email to my students. I'm like, we're going to be on Kazoom today. We're doing a Kazoom de- game. And they're like, what is Kazoom? And I'm like, oh, is it kazoo? I forget. And no, kazoo is that thing that you play, that musical instrument, where you just stick it in your mouth and blow. (laughs) Remember those things? Uh, And then I had to go, oh, yeah, okay. Well, bear with me. I just get these things mixed up. Uh, But there are more annoying things going on in the world. There are. That's what everybody says right now. They're like, forgive my kvetching because I know there are major things going on in the world between COVID and not being cast on Big Brother All-Stars. There are major, major things. E.G. I have anal itch. I do. I don't know what it is. It's not like I've seen any traffic on that highway in six and a half years. I don't know what it is. And so I really need to put just like a little dollop of preparation H on my anus. Just a dollop. You don't want to overdo it. Cheryl, my friend, um, 
who hates me, but I think secretly loves me. She always gets really frustrated when people put too much toothpaste on their toothbrush. She goes, you just put a pearl, just put a pearl on. That's all you need. Don't overdo it with the toothpaste. It's the same logic with preparation H. You don't need a bunch of it. It's not like you're lubing up and ready to go, right? You just put a little, just a little peanut, just a little peanut, just a little dollop, and you put it on your lips, on your, <laughs> your, your anal lips. You put it on your anal lips like a little bit of chapstick. Just like a little bit of chapstick. But then if you're gassy like me, I don't like having the preparation H dollop on my anal lips whenever I pass gas. Because, you know, when you pass gas and you can kind of feel the, the lips rubbing up against one another, it goes, or, or whatever, right? But when the, when the preparation H dollop is there, a dollop, do a dollop a daisy. You can feel like the moisture. It's like a wet rubbing up against one another. And I don't like that on my lips. I don't like that on my lips. Where's my chapstick, by the way? I could use some chapstick on my up, upstairs lips. I don't have that. I don't know. I do have this uh, Kiehl's Intensive Treatment and Moisturizer that my mom recommended because I'm washing my hands so much so I don't get the COVIDs. And I, she was like, oh, it's the best. And really, I, I don't think it's the best. I prefer the L'Occitane. It's very expensive. You probably couldn't afford it. I would have definitely went to town with this Kiehl's when I was 16 and used it as masturbation cream because that's before... You can afford lube. I remember when the first thing of lube that I got, I just felt so dirty for having it in my house. Just felt so dirty. You know how some people feel safe with a crucifix in their house? Having the lube just made me feel the opposite way. I just felt like a dirty, dirty slut. And now I just whatever. My I have like the biggest, this is the sad paradox of my life. I have a big jug. I get like the biggest container like the family-sized version of lube, okay? You know when you're getting M&Ms, because I love peanut M&Ms, you can get, like, the, the regular, you can get the fun size, which is the really teeny tiny, you can get the regular package, you can get the large package, and then they have the family size, and family sizes in big block letters, family size M&Ms. I got, they have the same thing for lube. You can get, like, a little teeny tiny, like, one-off one of lube, or you can get, like, the big, it has, like, a pump, <laughs> so whenever my straight come, friends come over, they they marvel at that. They're like, you need that much lube? I'm like, sadly, no. I don't. I don't. I don't. Okay, uh, so I want to play this clip by this performance artist comic named Benito Skinner. And he is as cute as a button, y'all. As cute as a button. <gasps> oh, no. Oh, no. I have to find it again. I lost it. Bear with me. I'm a bottom and I don't know how to do technology. My OBS is going to take forever. Let me see. Benito. I like that name. Benito. Skinner. So he does these. He's a stand-up comic and a performance artist. And he's young and just so, so cute. And... He has those dark features. He must be Italian. He must be Italian. 
I love an Italian. He has a lot of followers. He's 362,000 followers. That's how long I've gone without sex. 360. No, he has 649,000. Wow. Okay. So he does this video where the gag is he's this vapid gay guy going to meet his boyfriend's mom and I'm going to play it for you because I just I think it's hilarious I don't know how much of it will be lost in translation just hearing the audio but you should be able to pick up enough on it okay here we go look at how slow this thank is. you so much for having us <laughs> hey babe can you go make me a chai tea oh. thanks baby thanks baby Surprise, bitch. Did you miss me? Are you guys going on a walk? I'd love to come. <laughs> I doesn't have a trust fund. My parents spoil him rotten. He calls my mom, mother. I heard you barely breastfed him. <laughs> oh, did he tell you? He's taking my name. Right, babe? He's mine. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be staying in the same room. Oh, oh what's that? I'll, I'll move your son to Singapore if you try me again, bitch. Hey, baby. Hey, baby. Your mom just called me a f bitch. <laughs> I can't wait to put you in the home. Oh, hey, babe. I think your mom's a little sick. Yeah, maybe she should sit this walk out. <laughs> oh, so funny. I love it when she says, hey, babe, your mom just called me a want to say that loud don't want to say it out loud see see you can see on the screen i have some some amy sedaris lines coming up i'm gonna do a line of amy sedaris i love that one in strangers with candy on the episode where she's in raisin in the sun she brings that actor back to his to her house because he wants to run lines and she goes we can do some lines in here <laughs> we can do some lines <laughs> Okay, so I got a, I got a, uh, I guess I could show it. I guess I could show it, but I don't want to run to the other room. That would be rude. It would be rude. What, what, you know what? Here's what I'll do. Here's what I'll do. I'll play. How do I want to do this? How do I want to do this? Here. Okay, I'll do this. Here we go. I'm going to play a little clip from Strangers of Candy so I can go grab something out of my closet. Hey, Jerry. How are the plans for the dance coming? What are you getting at? Nothing. You broke me. I've got the syphilis. I can't keep a secret from you, Tamala. Oh, my God. Did you tell Jared? I can't. <laughs> you broke me. I got the syphilis. Okay. So this is what I had to go do. So I ordered something from J. Crew online. This really cute tie-dye hoodie. Okay? I love it. I do. It's comfortable. I like it a lot. But my complaint is that it took... Hold on. I just want to make sure it doesn't fall on the floor. It took over a month to get to me. 
It was supposed to be delivered at my... I sound like a Karen right now. Can I speak to the manager of J. Crew? I'm, uh, we're on three-way with the manager of the post office, and I need to complain to both of you, and then I need to speak to your supervisor. What do you mean you don't have a supervisor that you are the manager? Do you own J. Crew? Do you own the U.S. post office? Then I want to talk to who is ever above you. I always want to talk to the top. I always want to talk to the top. So it was supposed to arrive on June 26, and it didn't. And I try to be patient in these things. and But it, it just arrived today. It just arrived today. And the point of this story is that that makes me very uh, anxiety-ridden about the November election. I was listening to the New York Times podcast, The Daily. If you have not listened to it, I highly recommend it. It's a very, very good, informative podcast where they will take one story and spend 20 to 30 minutes doing a really deep dive into whatever the story is that they're focusing on that day. And they had one on mail-in ballots. And they said, look, there's nothing wrong with mail-in ballots. And in fact, it expands our democracy because more people vote, which is why Republicans hate mail-in ballots. It's not because of voter fraud. In fact, the uh, most significant cases of voter fraud have been perpetrated by Republicans, not Democrats. But Republicans know the more people you drive out to vote, the less likely they are to win. But I'm not saying anything new. I, that's just like saying, do y'all know that two plus two is four? You already know that. You already know it. And uh, so they, th the point of their show was to say that we we are such a culture of convenience in the United States and quick results that if we don't get a result the night of the election, people are going to go crazy. And guess what? We're not going to get a result the night of the election. We may not know who won this election until December, okay? And that doesn't mean that there's a miscarriage of justice during the election, but but in people's minds, it's going to fuel a lot of conspiracies, and it's it's going to really do. Um, it's going to be a mindfuck for a lot of people because the thing is, is it depends on the state. In some states, if as long as your ballot is postmarked on the day of the election, they have to count it, and and so imagine the nightmare scenario if on the night of the election. These news stations are saying, well, it looks like Trump is so far winning Florida. But then a week later, these mail-in ballots come in and it flips. Then, you know, people in the GOP are going to cry foul. And so there's it, things in November are really going to be a shit show. November is going to be a hellscape. It's going to be a fiery hellscape. It is going to be like my downstairs region. It's just gonna, a nightmare of despair, of no hope. It's gonna, it's, that's what my downstairs is like underneath the bathing suit. Um, that, that's what it's gonna be, okay? And so the, what, what does this have to do with my tie-dye pullover from J. Crew? I'm so glad you asked. Well, if it took over a month for my tie-dye pullover to get here, what's going to happen when there's suddenly this huge influx of ballots? That's really, really scary. And when can you finally call the election? And I'm not, it, it's hard for me 
to put things into perspective because you know when you're waiting for the pullover to come in the mail from j crew and it's not there you think oh well of course the post office is just awful you think of all the awful experiences that you've had with the post office you cherry pick it's confirmation bias you don't remember all of the wonderful experiences that you've had at the post office like losing your virginity and a mail truck or um the time that you were in a sling at the post office and everybody kind of took their turns. You cancel out all of those good, happy memories and you focus on the negative. And really a large part of this is that Trump has put in a postmaster, is that what they call it? And and it, they're intentionally trying to sabotage the post office because they want to call the election into doubt right it's just it's horrible there's such a problem with what trump is doing to our democracy on so many different levels if he doesn't like something then he has to sabotage it if it works then make it not work for people it's awful it's awful it's awful okay um so the next thing that i wanted to talk about because i have this bullet list i think i showed it to you before Here's the things that I must talk about on my podcast. Must talk about. Okay. Uh, I I was listening to Madge's show on my walk. And I have to say, I'm, I really enjoy listening to Madge. I've listened to Madge longer than any podcast ever, ever. And if you don't listen to East Radio, what is wrong with you? You're a loser. Trump would say, you're a loser. You're a loser. I can't do his voice. I wish I could do his voice. You're a loser. How, how does he say it? I'm not going to look it up because the OBS takes too long. You're a loser. Sad. Sad if you don't listen. Uh, uh, but today she was talking about how she doesn't like the apps that instead of like a one-off, I'm going to spend $100 and purchase this app or $50 or whatever. They make you subscribe. I hate subscription apps too. Just out of principle, I won't I won't do it. I'm like, no, that's wrong. I, I'm morally opposed to it because everybody wants to just keep feeding out of your wallet every, every, every month. And it's ridiculous. At some point you have to say no. But I was thinking as she was talking, because what, what made her, I was thinking as she was talking and she was listening and then we were all just in it together. What made her initially start talking about this issue is how she listens to this RuPaul's Drag Race podcast and they have a Patreon, kind of like my friend, Debbie Drill, uh, Church of Debbie. And I flat out told Debbie, I'm like, I'm not, I'm not doing that. Just out of principle, I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. And 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 so Madge was spending money every month on a Patreon to listen to this RuPaul's Drag Race. And I am just opposed to the monetization of podcasts. I think it's obnoxious. Even something like The Daily. The Daily, like I was saying, is only 20 to 30 minutes, but they manage to work in these commercial breaks. And every time one comes up, I just go, because I'm walking bow, and I go, ugh. I did take my phone out of my pocket, which every time you touch your phone, it's kind of like a death wish now during COVID, right? And I'm like, fast forward, fast forward, fast forward. It's just so annoying. I like the idea that if people listen to your show and they want to do something nice for you, let them go and get you a present on 
Amazon on your wish list or something like that. But I don't like the idea of constantly begging for money or making having a paywall to get through to your podcast because that's, to me, that may be what podcasting has become. But I loved the early days of podcasting where you were just happy to have an audience and grateful for that. And then in turn, your audience would find ways of contributing that were creative or or not so money-based. I don't like it when I go, and you have to imagine, I live in the heart of Hollywood and West Hollywood, so I go to a 7-Eleven, it's constant begging, can I have a dollar, can I have this, can I have that? So I don't want to listen to something that should be escapism and have somebody trying to get into my pocket. It reminds me of that Strangers with Candy episode where career day, where she goes into the career truck <laughs> and there are all the robots. One's a florist, one's a doctor, one's this person. And they're all like, give me your money. Give me, I'm a doctor. Give me your money. Give me your money. I am a preacher. Give me your money. Give me your money. Just stop it. Just stop, okay? I don't like I don't like the the typical capitalist transaction of that sort of podcast. I just don't like it because to me here's here's the the logical thread through my argument. What makes podcasting cool is it's a countercultural form, and it defies initially at least it defied the regular logics or grammars of uh, of media commerce, right? Like, here's my album. Now give me money and I'll give you the album. Instead, it was just like art for art's sake. And um, so that's my point. That's my point there. Okay, the next thing that I want to talk about in terms of counterculture, see, I'm, I'm working on transitions. Counterculture, counterculture. So my hair is long, much to the dismay to Cheryl Markowski, and I love it. I think I may have talked about this before on the show, that about a year and a half ago, I decided I wanted to take myself out of the game. And what I mean by that is, even though I'm very feminine, in order to be attractive to other men, I thought, okay, I need to do all that I can do to performatively enact masculinity. I need to have short hair. I need to dress in a very normative way that may defy my personal aesthetics, things that I'm drawn to, because that will make me more attractive to the type of man that I'm attracted to, right? And when I started doing therapy a couple of years ago, my big realization, and this is kind of like common sense for most people, that you have to love yourself. This was actually written in sidewalk chalk outside of my apartment. It was like God, God speaking to me through a children's hands and sidewalk chalk. You have to love yourself before anybody else will love you. And one of the things that I most want in life is I, I do want to be in a happy, healthy relationship, but I want to be in a relationship with somebody who loves me for who I am in the most authentic sense of who I am. And so once I really realized that, because you hear that cliche over and over and over in your life, that you have to love yourself before. The the only thing that you hear more is, when you're least expecting it, 
love will find you. Like when I'm least expecting it, like during surgery, am I having a gallbladder removed? And my doctor is like, oh my God, I've never been so hard taking organs out of somebody. I'm gonna, I'm gonna fuck them right here. I'm gonna fuck them right here. And then I wake up and I'm like, this is, shouldn't be happening, but I think I love you. Like, no, I, I don't buy the cliche of when you're leaving again, that's just not the way it works. My brother, Leonard, like there are plenty of people who they, they think, okay, I'm going to get married now. Like my brother Leonard, after he got his MBA, he, he was like, okay, the next thing that I do is I get married and I have kids. And that's what he did. So he was on he was on a mission. He went to a place in Houston called the Ocean Club. That was like the big place for guys in their 20s and women in their 20s to go to the Ocean Club in Houston to get the Ocean Club. And and he, he met a bride. He met a bride. And that didn't work out. But then he went right back to it. He's like, I'm going to find love. So I don't buy that. In fact, I think that it's more common when people are actively looking for love that they find it. But the other cliche, there is truth in. You really do have to love yourself. Um, because what's the point? I mean, people are going to find out who you are. And, and, and so... The other side of this, I don't maybe not the other side of this, but the reason why I want to talk about it is because I decided, oh, well, I, I thought about when I was in middle school and how, I mean, I feel the pressure of hegemonic masculinity as a 44-year-old living in California. Imagine what it was like to be a 13-year-old in a middle school in Texas. I mean, that was really intense, but that was some of the time that where I did most of my gender bending. I wore white headbands to school. I had long hair. I wore black pointy patent leather shoes with buckles on it and tights and painted my nails and did all of this stuff. And I thought, wow, that style was really my own. It was, I, I look back at some of those pictures now and I'm like, oh my gosh, I can't, what was I doing? The same way that we all do. The same way that people with intentional girls with high bangs and intentional hair, cowlicks look back and go, oh God, my fashions were so horrible. What are, what are you wearing? Units. I made these pants. I got them at units. I made them. I sewed them myself from a pattern. And uh, so that's what I'm doing. The, the last year and a half, I've been letting my hair grow out. And that's part. I've been painting my nails. I'm, I'm wearing clothes that are more authentically me. My hair's getting very long. And it's getting to the point now where I'm able to braid my hair myself. Um, I can't do a French braid. I can't do that. I tried that multiple times. But the the thing that I learned how to do this week is I gave myself pigtails, braided pigtails. And I love it. I love it. I love it because there's a deeper symbolism. It, it's me getting back to myself. And if, if guys don't like it, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But I'm not. Hey, after we get this all cleared up, Want to go for another ride in my cab? Are you listening? I have a boyfriend. Yes or no? Yes. <laughs> hey, after we get time. this all cleared up, want to go for another ride in my cab? Are you listening? I have a boyfriend. Yes or no? Yes. 
<laughs> so good. It's so good. Uh, speaking of other queer people in the media, my friend Devin has a post on Facebook where he goes, he's bemoaning cancel culture in relation to Ellen DeGeneres because, you know, Ellen's getting a lot of heat for being a miserable human being. And not just being a miserable human being, but treating her staff like shit, enabling her three executive producers. There was sexual harassment going on in the workplace. It was toxic, beyond toxic. And I've worked in a toxic workplace before. And I, anybody who's worked in a toxic workplace knows just how horrible and abusive that situation can be. And I've heard stories about Ellen being horrible for quite some time, being a gay who lives in Hollywood myself. So none of this was surprising to me. But, you know, now you have all of these people. There's backlash to the backlash, right? So uh, my friend Devin, and he's not the only one singing in this choir, is like, can we just do away with cancel culture? I mean, now, really, we're canceling Ellen? And I don't like this whole... uh, I don't think that holding Ellen accountable or her producers accountable is the same thing as these, like, these so-and-so is canceled party. Or get, get, uh, this, is, this is important. It's important to bring this stuff to light. Um, it's systemic sexism and racism, the stuff that was happening on that show. And... and um, I don't know. I mean, it, it's kind of like like somebody wrote in the comments, and I don't know that this is completely a fair comparison, but the spirit of what they were saying resonated with me. They said, that would be like, oh, Brock Turner's going to jail. Oh, do we, you know, he's a man, the, the, the college swimmer who raped a woman and got caught with his hand in the cookie jar, so to speak. That was a bad euphemism for that but you know what I'm saying and and by the way he spent less time in jail than um, we've been in lockdown longer than he was in prison but imagine being like I mean come on do we have to like cancel everybody and that's basically the judge who convicted Brock Turner that was his logic he was like I would just hate to see this this promising young rapist have his life ruined for raping a woman while she was passed out right like no you have to hold people accountable. So now I'm providing a backlash to the backlash to the backlash. Okay? This is my this is the new wave of backlash regarding Ellen. So there was backlash against Ellen, right? And then backlash to the backlash. Do we really have to cancel Ellen? Ellen's great. She's so funny. She dances. Yay! Look at her dance. She dances so goofy. Look at her monologue. Look at her scare. Her guest. She's so funny. She's great. I love her. Look at her eating hot dogs with George W. Bush at a baseball game. And she she wants to bridge the differences. Everybody get off her back. And now I'm the backlash to the people who are crying enough with cancel culture. That's what I am. That's what I am. Sometimes if it if it walks like a duck and it talks like a duck, that's exactly what it is. What's your question, Jeremy? Well, I... What is going on with your face? <laughs> My lip fell down a flight of stairs. It really looks like a cold sore. What do you want, Jerry? <laughs> 
love that episode. Mr. Novlin has the cold sore and he keeps claiming it's not a cold sore. And she's like, it really looks like a cold sore. So, you know, Ellen, it really looks like evil. It really looks like bad things are going on. We just have to listen to the part where she goes, what is going on with your face? One more time. It's so funny. What's your question, Jeremy? Well, I... What is going on with your face? <laughs> One more time. What is going on with your face? Well, I... What is going on with your face? <laughs> I want to hear a shirt like My that. lip fell down a flight of stairs. It really looks like a cold sore. What do you want, Jared? <laughs> it really looks like a cold sore. <laughs> Um, 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 let's watch a little At Home with Amy Sedaris. This is from the finale. Telling the future. Why don't we just focus on the new year? Ami, show me your palm. Ami, Ami. Okay. Oh, long lifeline. Good for you. <laughs> Career thriving. Uh-oh. Sex at peak? You look at you. Oh, sorry, I was reading my own poem. Mm, it's embarrassing. Let's see yours. <laughs> you see, the lifeline is very, like, like stubby. Like stubby and insignificant. Like it doesn't matter in your hand. Castro Damas, how's my love line? <laughs> to be honest, it's really hard to see because of all the calluses. But, ooh, I do see something very exciting in the near future. Well, you must mean the At Home with Amy Sedaris Cooking New Year's Eve special. No, this means male pattern baldness. But that can't be... Oh, I see them. <laughs> I love it when Amy, Ami, Ami, when she blinks one eye closed. I just think it's it's such a Jerry Blankism, and it makes me laugh every single time that I see it. So there's this guy named Alan Lickman. This is the next thing I want to talk about. And he has the uh, the best prediction model, the most accurate prediction model for who will be the next president of the United States, and it's called the Keys to the White House. And what Alan Lickman says is that basically polls, like all this other stuff, are not, they're really not all that reliable. Instead, he has a measure of, I think it's 12 different questions, 12 different true-false statements, or sorry, 13, 13 different true-false statements. And if the statement, which are more qualitative, some of them are yes, no, but others are more. You have to do some interpretation, and it will help you predict the future, predict the election. And and he says that when five or fewer statements are false, the incumbent party is predicted to win the popular vote. But if six of the statements are false, in this case for the 2020 election, if six of the statements that I'm about to read to you are false, then the challenging party is predicted to win the popular vote in the election, okay? And he's predicted um, every pop, he's predicted the popular, or sorry, he's predicted the winner of every election since the 1980s, even the um, Bush v. Gore won. And he correctly predicted Trump would win, too. So um, I, I'm going to give you the uh, the TLDR or TLDH, too long, to, or TLDL, hold on, TLDL, too long, didn't listen, not down low, didn't listen, and tell you that 
seven of the keys have turned against Trump. So Alan Lechman and the 13 keys to the White House predict that that Biden is going to win. Okay, so that's very exciting. It doesn't mean don't vote. You should continue to vote because as we know, in this parallel universe, in this awful, awful uh, branch of the multiverse we're in, anything can happen. Anything could happen. Kanye West could win, okay? And he's not even going to be on the ballot in a number of states, and he could still win. Okay, so I'm going to go through each of the ones. The first one is, um, does the challenging party's candidate's penis, is it longer? And that's that's um, true, so... Uh, no, just kidding. So party mandate um, is the first key. And the party mandate question is a simple yes or no. After the midterm elections, did the incumbent party hold more seats in the House of Representatives than after the previous midterm elections? And as we know, Democrats reclaimed the House. So this key turns against Trump. Okay. The next so that's one key. One. If you're counting at home, that's one. The, ne- the second key is contest. There's no serious contest for the incumbent party nomination, meaning did Trump have a clear path to the nomination or was there a Republican challenger who picked up a lot of steam and, and gave him a serious run for his money? So there was no serious contest for his nomination. So that's true. That works in favor of Trump. Third, incumbency. Is the incumbent party candidate the sitting president? True, It's true, right? He is. So that works in favor of Trump. Third party. Is there a significant third party or independent campaign? There is not. The, the closest that we have is Kanye West, and that's not serious, okay? So, so far, four keys, only one has turned in the favor of Biden, right? But then here's where the shit's going to start hitting the fan for Trump. Short-term economy. The economy is not in a recession during the election campaign. Sorry, we are in a big-time recession. A big-time recession. I was eating my toenails like I was on an episode of Alone or Survivor just to get sustenance, okay? That's how bad the recession is. So that turns against Trump. Next, long-term economy. Is the real per capita economic growth during the term equal or, or is it equal or does it exceed the mean growth during the previous two terms? And I can't remember what he said about this one. Policy change. The incumbent administration affects major changes in national policy. And I think he gave this one to Trump. He basically said that through a series of executive orders, because, you know, he's even though when Trump came into office, he decried, or before he was in office, he decried executive orders and said how undemocratic they were. Of course, he's the biggest hypocrite in the world. You know, he also tried to take Obama to task for golfing. Um, And so everything that he said was bad that Obama does, he does on steroids. So through all of his executive policies and undoing um, the Affordable Care Act, he gives that one to Trump. Social unrest key is the next one. There is no sustained social unrest during the term. Uh, Black Lives Matter, no. These are some of the most sustained um, protests that we've seen in U.S. American history. Scandal, the incumbent administration is untainted. Taint, taint balls, taint. 
is untainted by a major scandal. We know that this key does not turn in Trump's favor, right? He um, is only the third president in history, in U.S. history, to be impeached. Um, he had, he, he, it's just been scandal. It's been that, it's been that show scandal, okay, all over the place. Foreign military failure, has there been a major failure, military failure? No, so that works in Trump's favor. So far, we have four keys turned against Trump. Uh, but foreign or military success, has he achieved a major success in foreign or military affairs? No, so that works against Trump. So that's five keys right there. Um, the incumbent party, is he, uh, is he charismatic, is the next question, or a national hero, to the same level as somebody like FDR or um you know, or Ronald Reagan is the other example that they give. No, he's not. Lickman argues that Trump is only appealing to um, the base of his party. So five, or that's six keys, right? But then Biden, this is the final key, is also not charismatic or a national hero. So I guess the long-term economy key also turned against Trump. So that's Lickman's prediction. He says that uh, we can expect to have Biden in office, which I don't think is particularly surprising to anybody. But I do think that we are all experiencing a little bit of whiplash from the last election where so many of us were so certain that Hillary Clinton was going to win because there was no way somebody as awful, somebody as demonstrably terrible as Donald Trump could win the presidency, right? So now we're all kind of like, it's like Beetlejuice. Don't speak your worst nightmare into existence, even to say that it could never happen, because the minute you say it can never happen, then it's gonna it's gonna happen. It's gonna be famous last words. That's the theme of this episode. Famous last words. Hashtag famous last words. Uh, I have two more things I wanna talk about. The second the penultimate. You like those big words? You like those big words when they come shooting out of my mouth? thing that I want to talk about is that, and this is, I'm very late to the game here, but Grimes' baby with Elon Musk. What is this baby's name? Grimes' baby. It has like, you know when you have a password? They, they Grimes and Elon Musk basically came up with a baby name that would make for a really good password because it contains symbols, it, ha it contains capital letters and numbers. It's, if I had to, get, it's X-A-E, and the A and E are kind of melting into each other, space A-1-2. So if I had to guess the pronunciation, I would say J, J-12? J12, J12, that's what I'm guessing, J12, J, J, J12, that's what I'm guessing it would be, that's obnoxious, I hate it, I hate it when people, like, a name like Reagan, I think is cool, Sebastian, you know, names that are just a little bit off the beaten path, but you can't go into the next solar system to come up with a name, that kid is going to have its ass kicked every day in the parking lot at school. I don't know why it has to be the parking lot, but it's still. I'm going to have, you know what? I'm going to adopt a baby, and I'm going to name it Fart. 
not like F-A-R-T, but like, that's how you pronounce, how do you pronounce this? Come eat your dinner. Clean your room. Clean your room. Just took a shit in his diaper. Who wants to clean his diaper? What gender is your baby? Oh, my baby is... It's like a Saturday Night Live sketch. I don't even know who Grimes is. Let's look at her picture here. In this picture, she has... What is that? Like, what? This is another, like, try hard. Why are you trying so hard? Why are you trying so hard? What's your baby's name? What does that mean? It means a connection to the interstellar universe and how we are all cells. That's what... That's what we are. We're all cells, and our cells merged, much like the A and E and J12, JL12's name. Give me a break. You try hard. I know, like, I just went on this big monologue about, like, nonconformity and how great, how you have to find yourself and be your authentic self, but I don't like, the reverse of that is you can be so nonconforming that Nonconformity is your version of conformity and that's how I feel naming your baby 12 is I'm just not into it I'm not into it try hard okay um especially when you're like this conventionally like there's a thing where if you're so conventionally attractive because she's cute like if she if you took these pom-poms out of her hair and took those piercings out from the bridge of her nose and all this other stuff she'd be an attractive person but and she's still an attractive person despite all of this and so i think that there some people are just so attractive that they're like you know what i'm so pretty that i'm going to be like fuck you and and try to make myself less attractive but then still ironically be attractive i don't like that I don't like that little loop, that little reality that you're living in. Okay. It's just as bad as, I don't know, AIDS. <laughs> it's not worse than AIDS. It's not. Uh, the other thing that I hate because I'm apparently grumpy old man today is when bodybuilders on Instagram, I follow all of these really sexy bodybuilders. I'm going to pull up my Instagram right now. Hopefully I don't see anything about Twig, Big Brother. I almost called it Twig Brother because then I'll be uh, I'm very emotionally fragile about this. Very emotionally fragile. Of course, I immediately see something from Big Brother from Lane, but Lane's so cute that I, I can't be mad at him. Um, let's look at some of these sexy guys that I follow. Like, here's that Ryan Dangler who I talked about on a previous show. So sexy. Look at that big arm. I don't like it when, like, a sexy bodybuilder that I follow on Instagram has a video, and then I click play on the video, and there's really loud, bassy music. 
I'm like, no, I just want to see your sexy body like posing and stuff. Like save me the music. It's always so loud and awful and terrible. And I also hate it like this guy. His name's Cam Fit. He's a really nice body. I don't like it when they suck in their stomachs to make it look like their stomach goes concave. I, I don't like that. Stop doing that. That looks fucking weird. It's like when they put iodine on their bodies. Okay, I, stop doing that. Don't do it. Don't do it. And, and, and something related to that is when I go on to a news story. Oh, he's really hot and sexy. His name's Justin J. Fit. He has such a sexy body. Um, let's see if he's... Okay, no, that's just his gym music. Uh, when I go to read a story on on Yahoo News and I press play on the news story thinking it's going to be a video and it is a video but it's just a video of loud music playing like dramatic music playing with the text of the story what is that don't don't do that make up your mind who are you who are you okay I do want to play I like doing outro music, especially since I messed up the intro music. I think I'm doing pretty well with my podcast. I've been doing it once a week, pretty much, right? Right? Hour-long shows with this new format. What music can we play? What music can we play? I think what we're going to do is... We're going to listen to One Way or Another by Blondie. But we're going to do it to the Melrose Place cat fights. There's a whole video here. Faye Dunaway wins Best Actress. That She's such a hag. She's another one like um, who is just like an Ellen who everybody just knows she's a monster. Let's not cancel culture her. Don't cancel culture Faye Dunaway. Hi, Jane. I think we should talk. And we're old friends. I'm still in love with Amanda. <gasps> Son of a bitch, pig! Listen to me! Out! <laughs> you are one cold-blooded bitch, aren't you? You want to break up with me? <laughs> Get out. Are you giving my best? Not in a million years. God, you're so predictable. You finally got what you deserve. I refuse to take the blame for your pathetic mess of a life. <laughs> Allison says you're never coming back. Consider yourself fired. You're a self-centered, backstabbing, twisted tramp. Are you totally incompetent or are you just out to get You're way over your head trying to fill Amanda's shoes. I know you have me, crazy bitch. They're my living, you twisted piece of dirt. Give them back. Back off, please. You can love don't you ever interrupt and hijack a pitch from me again. Why should I believe anything you say? You're such a perverted bitch. Well, it's a gift. <laughs> I want you to stay away from my husband. I'm sorry, I haven't met you. Pushed me into an affair so you could steal my husband. You little bitch. Truth is, you killed Bruce. Dear me. It's obvious you've been trying to steal Jake back since the day he dumped you. You had a tough time finding a job with your attitude. Didn't stop you, Annie. Put the bitch out of business. 
on a self-serving pathetic drunk. Tell me the lion pig. Kiss my ass. Keep the little one in my short leash. We're all run out. Bastard! How did you do it? I just hope you have a good night. I want you to be my wife. <laughs> Better luck next time. <laughs> Bye, everyone.